Hey there, M4 Edge fans. This is Michael, and thanks for being curious. I wanted to let you know that Marco and I are hard at work preparing a really special mini-series for you, focusing on 3D printing or additive manufacturing. We're going to have folks from Impossible Objects, from Essentium, from Meld, from Mark Forged, and from 3D Hubs. The first four are all startups who've won various awards and have been recognized as having new and exciting 3D printing technologies. 3D Hubs is a platform as a service uh, provider based in Europe, uh, obviously with a focus on 3D printing. So we're excited about that. We're putting that together for you. Uh, in the meantime, we've got some other regular episodes that are also in the can and that we're working on. We just did a new Ricky's Reports with Ricky Butch, and this conversation was actually longer than our usual, you know, two to five minute uh, limit. And so we decided just to include the full 13 minutes for you as its own standalone episode. That's coming right up, and uh, it'll give us a little bit of time to keep getting back to work on the additive manufacturing. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, here's Ricky Butch. Okay, Ricky, well, welcome back. Thank you, Michael and Marco, for having me again. Hey, Ricky, welcome. Thank you. So last time we caught up with you, uh, the news was that you had joined a local incubator, and you were excited about that. Uh, how's that going so far? It's been well. Um, I have had a chance to meet a mentor through the incubator, and uh, we've had several meetings now. And one of the things that he's uh, coached me on is how to put together the initial pitch. I think one of the things that I had done over the last several weeks was really build out this pitch deck that I thought encapsulated a lot of my ideas. And he looked at, he looked at it and and said, you know, maybe the first thing to do would be to take a step back and to put your thoughts down uh, on a one pager that would just summarize what this venture would look like, because it's a lot easier when you're having coffee talks with potential investors or other stakeholders to show them one page versus having them flip through an entire PowerPoint deck. And so that's what I've really been focused on over the last two weeks and actually, as a part of that, I've, I've come to reframe how I think about this potential new venture. And I think before, Michael Marco, I used to talk to you about uh, this new company being in, in the decentralized energy space and using a software platform to really facilitate the operations and maintenance of those new decentralized energy systems. And I, I've come to realize that when we're putting these, these boxes out there to collect data from these remote uh, or distributed energy systems. So we could also do that with other distributed infrastructure. And so I've come to now think of this really as a distributed infrastructure IoT play. And the idea is to use electricity, which is foundational to everything, as the primary means to get these assets out there and to develop a data platform that would encapsulate not just data from the energy system, but also from other distributed assets and use some combination of on-premise and cloud infrastructure to run analytics, uh, to optimize the operation of those assets, and also to plug into uh, maintenance to allow, to ensure that those assets uh, maximize their, their uptime and availability. And so it's really become this, this new venture that sits at the intersection of IoT, the greater acceleration towards decentralized infrastructure, and the need to use digital-based tools for overall asset lifecycle management. Give us an example, Ricky. What other kinds of uh, distributed infrastructure are you thinking of? 
So one of the early applications I'm trying to get a little bit smarter on is in agriculture. And there has not just in emerging markets, but also here in the US, we're starting to see increasing the increasing role of renewables, distributed uh, renewables, solar and energy storage to run agriculture equipment, in particular irrigation. And at the same time, there is a plethora of sensors and other types of things that are deployed to begin collecting information on soil condition or moisture or even just the state of the irrigation pumps themselves. And right now, those systems would operate in silos. And so there would be a... No pun intended. (laughs) Exactly, yes. (laughs) So there would be a a data platform on the solar system, possibly. There'd be one on the agriculture system. And really, if I wanted to run scenarios that perhaps combine the two, that at the moment is is pretty difficult. And, And let me give an example, Marco. One of the ones that one of the use cases that comes to mind is I may want to ensure that my, my irrigation system is, is up and running when I have maximum solar irradiance, because that's when solar will be generating the most power. So I know that I will be able to run the maximum number of uh, functions and, or, or be able to, to maximize my, my utilization of the agricultural equipment. And right now, if I were to do that, I have to basically develop homegrown analytics across two silos or, or try and do some sort of ad hoc analysis. And I think where this particular new distributed infrastructure IoT platform can come in is to really synthesize how those different assets talk to each other. And so as long as they speak standard data protocols, they can connect to this new edge device that I have in mind that will be able to run analytics on-premise, but also connect back to the cloud where the software stack will be mirrored um, to allow for all aggregation across multiple sites, for example. And so the, the thrust of this is still very much software to enable the deployment control and maintenance of, of decentralized energy. But really, since energy is required to run everything else, you know, why not build something that's extensible and will allow other assets to be layered on top? So I've got uh, kind of a question on your entrepreneurial journey, and then I've got a question on um, you know, how you see the business unfolding. Let me do the business unfolding one first, because on the one hand, I see that you know, broadening it to decentralized assets gives you a, a wider foothold, but I also see that then your go-to-market strategy and you know, what you do about channels or how you find your customers generally gets much more complicated. So how have you, how have you thought about that? So really, this has just been a, a way to frame the venture. But in terms of getting started, Michael, I think I've, I've remained very much focused on small-scale renewable systems and working with companies that distribute those uh, small-scale power systems. In, in particular, I have uh, been starting to engage with uh, what I call multi-vendor diesel resellers. So these are small companies that happen to work on a variety of uh, OEMs. And uh, they happen to you know, have a, a local customer base and, and some type of capacity on installation and commissioning and, and maintenance of these systems. And so I've been speaking to them about how some of these digital tools can help improve their operations. Uh, and for me, that is a natural extension to, to increase share wallet, if you will. It's you know, now that we've been able to digitize your operations around some of these remote diesel installations, let's talk about adding renewables to that and monitoring those. Then let's talk about adding adjacent infrastructure to that. So now that these companies are basically expanding their business with their customers, um, you know, in, enhancing their relationship, and I can basically get in on the ground floor and, and help them do that. And so that's kind of how I've seen this roll out is, you know, focus on the energy scenario first and then scale up. 
um, versus having to tackle, you know, these heterogeneous environments from the beginning. Right. Um, and being able to really build a strong relationship with some of these smaller companies that I think is the, the core market for this. Um, and the way I've, I've seen this, the IoT space, and, and Michael Marco, I know you both are quite familiar with, with the IoT space, but I see a lot of these very large companies that have been focused on large-scale industrial processes. But at the same time, those systems don't necessarily scale down easily to if I was a farmer that needed to just monitor my, my soil condition. You have specialized solutions for that, but now if I wanted to add in you know, a distributed solar system to run that, now I've got to deal with multiple data platforms. And so really, I think my solution, I hope, is, is to frame it such that we would synthesize, synthesize these, these assets together and really be able to run them holistically as a, as a single infrastructure solution versus having these, uh, these hodgepodge kind of you know, siloed data platforms. The other part of my question was on your entrepreneurial journey. And so, you know, when you and I started talking about this a while back, it was really focused on mini grids. And then when we first started doing Ricky's reports, it was on distributed energy more generally. And now you've sort of broadened it to distributed. So I, I get that distributed energy is sort of your foot in the door, but it's distributed infrastructure more broadly. And so this is sort of a touchy-feely question, but you know, how have you sort of dealt with this sort of you know evolving nature of what you see yourself building? Well, I think a lot of, you're right, Mike, a lot of the, the initial focus I had was was on continuing the work I had done at GE on deploying small-scale power systems in, in remote villages. And the initial feedback I got was, that's wonderful, but you can't build a billion-dollar business out of that. And so the last several weeks, have, the journey's been on how to frame this conversation as, here's the billion-dollar business, but at the same time, there still is a value in deploying some of these small-scale systems in some of those environments that I still feel um, could benefit from from this type of data platform, and so as a matter of fact, I have continued the conversations with um, with some of the folks that uh, uh, were initially interested in looking at something like this for remote rural, uh, rural electrification, and um, the challenge I think has really been I, I think I need to really get started with a, you know one particular use case, and I feel the pressure already building on well if this is a billion dollar business, then, you know, what are the 10 different use cases and find one that sticks and, you know, build from there. But the problem is now I, it dilutes the story a little bit. And in certainly my mind, it dilutes the, the progression that I feel can naturally occur from going from a targeting one use case with these multi-vendor distributed or diesel resellers to now dealing with, you know, community scale systems and agriculture and, you know, solar water irrigation systems and then at the same time dealing with a you know a, a diesel unit that's powering a, a mill for example so i feel like it's it's gotten it's easy to get out of hand in terms of the number of use cases to try and target simply because i want to frame this as a billion dollar business but uh you know i, I think i think I've, I've sort of been fighting that by saying you know let me focus on on one or two and see if i can get those started um with this idea that oh and by the way this stuff can all be enabled down the road. Right, right. That's interesting. I don't know. You guys are the ones in in the Bay Area. To me, you know, the idea of having a, you know, one person entrepreneurial operation focus on billion dollars as sort of the norm for how businesses are launched. It seems, I know that that's the norm, but it also seems bizarre. And I know, Marco, I'm curious, do you think that there's 
sort of barrier to entry that's being created by the expectations of the VC world? I think that is, uh, and I think to, to some extent, I see the comment, the question on the $1 billion as uh, stress testing the viability of your ideas. So perhaps to some extent, it's not really the that you have to get to $1 billion, but it is a question that forces you to think very seriously as to how far your business idea can really scale, how large the market can be. Yeah, that's interesting. Buy that, Ricky? Absolutely. I was going to say, Marco, I think to your point, a lot of the, once I have this, once I finished this one pager and started having a few more coffee talks, it was, it was less around, show me the revenue projection to a billion dollars and more that, yes, this idea has scale to it, that there is some replicability and this is a potential viable concern. Um, We, you know, as a matter of fact, have not really had a chance to, to dive into the actual pro forma projection, which, which I do have at least in a cursory one um, to show that we get, I get to a billion at some point. Um, it, it's, it's been less about that and more just, okay, I do think there is some, some IP here. This is something that, you know, can be a, a standalone company that may even have uh, interest from larger players down the road. To me, that ties in with a point that the Tim Wickstrom of Presenter raised in our podcast when he said that uh, they have found, or one of their advisors has found that uh, VCs, when they assess your pitch, they will focus less on the actual financial projections and more on the passion, how passionate you are about the idea and the delivery. So to me, that matches a little bit what you were saying, the idea of the $1 billion being more a test of conviction and passion of the expectation that like every other entrepreneur, you also want to change the world. So I'll just remember to up the passion quotient than Marco. <laughs> yeah. Right. Can you, can you be like super passionate about half a billion dollars? Like, I, I really want to get to that 500. <laughs> um, Ricky, anything else? Uh, any other updates from the last couple of weeks? Uh, just uh, the other thing I wanted to share with you guys was uh, I, I'm in the process of, of submitting a response to a, an RFI or request for information for a uh, remote renewable deployment in Canada. And so I've had a chance to, I've, I've met with uh, someone through various conferences and they run a small energy company up in, in Canada that focuses primarily on project development for some of these remote renewables. And so uh, the Natural Resources Commission of Canada, I believe NRC Can just put out uh, an RFI not too long ago, um, seeking ideas on renewable deployments in the Northern territories of the country, which uh, are still primarily run by diesel and so we have uh, put together an initial proposal around a community-owned scheme that, uh, that would add solar and energy storage to the existing diesel installations. And so hopefully we'll get a, a positive response from NRC CAN, um, and uh, we'll go from there. Very cool. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for checking in again with us, Ricky. Thanks for having me, Marco and Michael. Thanks, Ricky. That's it for today. Remember to please write us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And stay tuned for that upcoming miniseries on additive manufacturing. Once again, this is M4Edge, and thanks for being curious.